Well, will you pray with me one more time? Gracious God, we pray indeed that you might um, shed your grace upon us today. Uh, help us to hear your good news, to be reminded of the grace and forgiveness you offer to us through Jesus Christ. And fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be forever changed from this place today. That we might be sent forth to share the good news as you have shared with us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, funny, small, small towns are a funny thing, right? Can I get an amen? Small towns are a funny thing. <laughs> Y'all know. Like many of you, I grew up in one, not this one, but one about 45 minutes uh, up Highway 421 North. And every time I tell somebody that I am from Pleasant Garden, North Carolina, anybody want to guess what most people say? It sounds so pleasant. Are there a lot of gardens? <laughs> yes, Pleasant Garden was a pleasant place to grow up. Say that 10 times fast. Pleasant Garden was a pleasant place to grow up. It was a place where you knew your neighbors, right? And where you were guaranteed to run into somebody you knew at the gas station in the center of town. Small towns are good that way. It is easy to be known and to know other people. Everybody seems to know each other in a small town, right? You recognize faces and names. And more than likely, you don't just know a person, you know their family. <laughs> Odds are you end up knowing generations of families. That was like my first week here four years ago today. Somebody uh, warned me. Be careful in Pittsburgh what you say, everybody is related to everybody. <laughs> right, in a small town, you don't just know people, you know people's lives. Even if you didn't grow up together, chances are you have watched their children grow. And because you know their lives, you can celebrate with them when there's triumphs to be celebrated. You can mourn and grieve with them through their losses. Right, that's one of the blessings of a small town. Did anybody hear about um, that young man in Raleigh this week? Hashtag Snakegate, anybody? Yeah, okay. Did anybody like look out for snakes even more this week in their yard? Did anybody find one? <laughs> I did. Um, there was a young man, if you didn't hear about this, there's a young man in Raleigh who, come to find out, had had a basement full of exotic and dangerous snakes and one of them escaped, it's not exactly clear when this happened, but it escaped a zebra cobra native from Africa, and it, like, turned in, it just turned the entire city of Raleigh on its ears. And I kept thinking to myself, every time I would see live footage, the zebra cobra on this neighbor's porch, I kept thinking, this would never happen in a small town, because I'm gonna tell you why. First of all, people would already know what's in your basement before it escaped. And second of all, um, everybody would know who to call to round it up before ant calling animal control, right? Right, okay. That's one of the good things about being part of a small town. Everybody knows each other. And that's also sometimes one of the things that's not so great about a small town. Everybody knows each other. You know, too often it feels like everybody knows everybody's business, 
the good and the bad. The bad sometimes seems to travel farther than the good sometimes, and sometimes it can be difficult to escape your past, who you used to be, or maybe who your family used to be when your neighbors have known you and your family for so long. I say all of that because I believe we catch a glimpse of small town life in this story of Jesus returning to his small town called Nazareth. Nazareth was a small town. Truth be told, nobody really knows how big Nazareth was back then, 2,000 years ago. Our best estimates tell us that there was maybe a couple hundred people living in this little town a few hundred people, right? It was a small community in the hill country of Galilee where most everybody was a farmer or a fisherman. It wasn't one of those places where people are just dying to visit. <laughs> it's more like one of those exits on I-40 that nobody really ever takes, you know? And even though most people may not have known about Nazareth, everybody, surely everybody who lived there in Nazareth knew each other. Because, see, when Jesus comes home after being gone for a few years, everybody recognizes him. After several long months of traveling around Galilee, Jesus comes home to see his family, his friends, to tell them about everything that he has seen and done, to preach the good news to them, the people that he has known his whole life. And also, I imagine, to find some rest in the comfort of familiar faces. Surely he imagined that he was going to be able to bring home his 12 new friends, bring them home for the weekend. Surely he thought that he'd get to eat his mother's home cooking and all the neighbors up the street would ask him to come visit. Apparently everything went as expected at first. He was welcomed home. I imagine that his mother's friends must have smothered him in kisses and all of the elderly gentlemen who had taken him fishing when he was a kid had slapped him on the back and said, Jesus, welcome home, boy. It's good to see you. What you been up to? News of all the amazing things he had done had clearly been spreading about him. Right? News spreads fast in a small town. Everybody must have been sitting around a table at Verley's or Hardy's, chewing the fat over their morning cup of coffee. Did you hear about what that boy did? I heard that he was out on a boat in the middle of the lake, and he just raised up his hands and told that storm to be quiet, and it was quiet. Well, you know, I heard that he healed a woman who'd been sick for 12 years and didn't even touch her. Well, now, you know what I heard. I heard that that sick little girl got right up out of her deathbed when Jesus came to her house. The town was all a flutter all week long, so that by the time the Lord's Day rolled around, everybody in town was beating down the door to get into church. The preacher had asked Jesus to speak that day. That was a smart move. <laughs> He must have figured that attendance would be pretty good if everybody heard Jesus was going to be there. So all these neighbors who have known Jesus his whole life, all these family friends crowded together to hear what this kid that they had known for all these years, they wanted to know what he was going to say. And then the last thing that you would expect to happen happened. Suddenly, everybody's excitement turns into 
aggravation. Jesus stands up there in the temple and he starts talking about being the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, that he is the Savior that they have all been waiting for, and all of a sudden the hometown folk get a little skeptical. And all of a sudden they start to sound a little sarcastic. Did you hear that? He just said that he has the power of God. He thinks he's going to be a king. Well, I've seen everything now. A carpenter from Nazareth's going to be a king. Whispers and snickers start to break up the worship service. Everybody's leaning over to each other. Wait a minute. Isn't that the carpenter? Who does he think he is? This boy's gotten too big for his britches. Look, now see right over there, that's his mother, Mary. And over there with her's all his brothers and sisters. Well, now you know what I heard. I heard that Joseph really isn't his father. What's this he's talking about being a Messiah and a Savior? That boy's gotten above his raisin standing here telling us all this baloney. He must think we're stupid. He must think he's better than we are. Ooh, small towns can be tough. His own neighbors and kinfolk right there, the people that have known him his whole life, cut him off at his knees. The Son of God, the Word made flesh, the Savior who has come to give them new life, raised right there in their little town of Nazareth, has come home to bring them the good news of God's love and grace, and they refuse to receive him. It's the last thing they would have ever expected, that one of their own, this little boy who grew up down the street, has come to save them all. And so they refuse to receive God's gift of grace, God's gift to all the world, because he's just a carpenter. He's just that boy we've always known. He's just one of our neighbors. They could not believe in who Jesus is because they could not forget who he was. Or who they thought he was. How could God be at work in speaking through somebody so ordinary, so familiar, so close to them? But isn't that usually how God works? Doesn't God usually work in ways that we would never expect? My campus minister in college used to say, God is more ordinary than extraordinary. I want to say that again. God is oftentimes more ordinary than extraordinary. Now, don't get me wrong. God is truly extraordinary. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. But oftentimes, God is so often extremely ordinary, Meaning that God comes to us and speaks to us in the most common and ordinary ways on any given day. God is all around us speaking through the most unlikely people. Sometimes it's a stranger, but more often it is people so familiar to us that we can easily overlook them. Our own children or our parents our friends, our neighbors that we cross path, paths with every day. Sometimes the trick is, is that the closer we are to somebody, the less likely we are to hear them. 
Sometimes we can miss God speaking right in front of us because it doesn't fit our expectation of what God would look like or sound like or say to us. But God is still there, working and speaking into our lives. And oftentimes, whoever it is or whatever it is, it's usually the last thing we'd ever expect. Jesus was the last thing anybody would have ever expected from his small town. They weren't ready to see him for who he was. And because of that, they weren't ready for the ways that God was working. If you heard it in there, Mark says that Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything in his hometown except a few healings. Sad, isn't it? Suddenly this great power of God that was at work through Jesus Christ was belittled to almost nothing simply because his neighbors had closed their ears to God's voice speaking through him. It's a shame. But what I love most about this story is that once again, Jesus does the last thing that you would ever expect. Even when his own neighbors, even when his own people reject him, Jesus does not give up. Jesus does not throw in the towel. He turns right around and keeps on teaching one town after another after another. When his hometown offers him no hospitality, he sends out his disciples to find hospitality to find a place where they would be received. We've heard this part of the scripture so often, I'm sure. Jesus tells them to take nothing with them. Don't take any food or money or extra clothes. Just to go wherever you are welcomed, to live in people's houses, to build relationships with them, to trust that God is going to work through the people you meet to provide what you need. And then Jesus says, if you bump into somebody who wants nothing to you, don't stay there. If you bump into somebody who wants nothing to do with you, don't stay there. Don't gossip and complain. Just get up and walk away gracefully. Shake the dust of that place off your feet because God is working through you and God will not be stopped. And so the disciples go. And, G and, the, and the Bible says that all of a sudden the disciples were able to do all of these incredible things. Right? The people of Nazareth, even in their unbelief, could not keep Jesus doing, keep Jesus from doing God's work. And the miracle is, is that their rejection ends up leading Jesus to send out the disciples so that a setback becomes an opportunity for something even greater. I believe the good news in this story is that God continues to work all around us, whether we're too stubborn to see it or not. Our job is to choose to be a part of it, to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I will go to West Virginia and I will serve <laughs> I will work in the July heat, and I will work to repair houses. Our job is to respond to God's presence 
in our lives, to be part of sharing God's love, of touching the lives of others, of supporting those in need. Because, see, God was able to use a small-town boy from a little place called Nazareth, and he saved the world. And then Jesus called 12 ordinary people to go and to be his disciples, and they continued to change the world. See, God continues to work in us and through us and all around us. God calls us to participate, to see and to hear God in those ordinary places and people we would never expect. God calls us to go and proclaim the good news, to uplift, to celebrate, and to make disciples. God calls us ordinary people living in this small town, even as it continues to grow and to thrive and to change, it will never lose who this town has always been, a blessed place. God calls us to serve here, to be the hands and feet of Christ in this place. My prayer is that we would all have the strength and the courage, the courage to receive this calling that we would allow the power of God to work through us and around us, that we would have eyes and ears that are open to see and to hear what God might be calling us to do. Because the good news is, is that God is always going to do the thing we would last expect. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who was born and raised in a place called Nazareth. We thank you that um, you bless small towns, places that often seem um, ordinary, and through them you do extraordinary things. God, we pray that you would send your spirit uh, to be with us. Help us to be those who are part of the work that you are doing in this world. Help us to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Um, surprise us, amaze us by doing the last things we would ever expect. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.